really good to uh, be here. My name is Matt Hawkins. Um, as he said, um, I am one of the pastors at Desert Springs Bible Church. Um, I am originally from Oakland, California. I'm excited to be here. Um, pastor Tim is one of the homies. Uh, I love, love your pastor. Love all that God is doing here um, at this church. Excited that my wife is in the house. Omaria, you can just wave your hand and just let them know that you're here. Today, we're going to be in Psalm 46. Um, before I read Psalm 46 and tell you a really um, cool story, I wanted to make sure we could do um, a little quick review just to make sure I'm in the right house. Um, this is a, a, a a continuation of the Steel Living series coming out of the 46th number of Psalm. Um, looks like in uh, June, third, third day of, of June, um, you talked about God protects. I don't have to fear. And that came from Psalm 46, 1 through 3. For those who weren't here, who missed these, let me just catch you up. Um, the 10th of June, God provides I can be at peace. I actually took some notes from that particular sermon, um, and um, I'll definitely share those with you. I got out of that that I need to be still, and I need to quiet my soul. I need to um, properly manage my calendar by reshaping it around um, God, his mission, his purpose, not how cool and awesome I am but by the simple fact that he's already done everything for me, he's already won the fight for me, and I can calm down. Whew. I can be at peace. Um, and this week, today, we're coming out of Psalm 46, verse 8 and 9, and as it says on the website, God is just, I can trust. That's good. I like that. God is just, I can trust. I didn't come up with that. One of you awesome people came up with that. Um, at the end of the day, we're going to talk about what it means to have confidence in God in the middle of chaos and what that actually um, means or, or, or practically looks like um, when stuff, stuff hits the fan. Yeah. Psalm 46, verse 8 and 9, before I jump in, God, help us as we pray. God, help us to turn our listening ears on. Pray, God, we can listen from the depths of our heart. That this just won't be another 30-minute talk, but that we can literally, that I can be literally transformed by your word. Forgive us for our sins, creating us a clean heart. We know that we don't deserve to be here, but it's only because of your goodness and your mercy that we sit here in this moment. We just thank you that you keep showing up even when we don't show up, that you keep being there for us even when we fail you, that when everybody else leaves us out or judges us or condemns us, you're still building bridges and saying that I am an ever present help, that I am your refuge. I thank you that I can find my peace, my joy, my calm, 
my woosah in your presence. I'm grateful that you are indeed my personal tailored refuge. We give you praise in Jesus' name. If y'all can hear me, say amen. amen. Awesome. Psalm 46 verse 8 from the ESV says, come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. We can stop there. Charles Spurgeon, a very famous, famous uh, pastor, preacher, theologian, said that this particular text can be broken up in two parts. We shall regard this text, he says, we shall regard this text this morning first as a declaration of what has happened and as a promise of what shall be achieved. The big idea is the writer of this text, the sons of Korah, um, known as Levites, those who were able to go into the temple and they had the privilege of worshiping God together. They were like the, the Shane and Shane or, or the Hill song of our day. They were like the whoever you listen to on K-Love um, or, or whatever Jesus channel you, you watch. They were that group of that particular day and they are writing this song in the book of Psalms, we have songs that are written and to be sang in worship to God. Sons of Korah, they had many hits. This was not the only hit that they had, well over 15, some say over 20. You can Google that, Sons of Korah, with a K, and you'll see other psalms that they wrote for people to sing. This particular part of Psalm 46, thanks Tim Birdwell, is one of the difficult parts of the text because it talks about war and it celebrates war. It celebrates the fact that a sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful, almighty, I got it together, I make no mistakes, God is able to cause and to make wars happen for his glory. And before you check out in this moment, let me tell you that it is possible if this God is perfect, if this God makes no mistakes, it is possible that this God can cause something that on the surface looks terrible and horrible and make it come out for our good. Somebody should have said amen right there. We know that this is possible because it happens in our lives every day. And I'll prove it to you in just a few moments. But there's a similar passage that kind of says uh, something like verse 6 and like verse 7 and like verse 8 in this 46 number of psalms. 
I'll read it to you. Let me know if this sounds familiar. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him without warning. A furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Come on, Jesus. Verse 26, he replied, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it completely, and it was completely calm. Verse 27, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. God is uniquely positioned to see the chaos and the drama and the winds and the waves of our lives and literally step into that environment and say, peace, be still. Now, the execution of that peace, the, the execution of bringing peace to a situation can happen in two ways. The first way that you can bring peace to a situation is very common to you. And the second way that you can bring peace to a situation is common to you if you've had kids or if you've ever been a kid. Let the church say amen. For those who say that doesn't apply to me, you know, we can talk after. I have four kids. Happy Father's Day to me. I have four kids. My oldest is 10. My youngest is five, two girls and two boys. And on a regular basis, my wife and I run interference on wars. When I say wars, I mean wars. These are strategic happenings. These, these are, are, are very well thought out planned fights that happened between daughter and daughter, son and daughter. Particularly, I won't name names, I'll just say some of the older parts of my children, the, the older group of my children, they often fight. And there's two ways, two ways to bring peace to a challenging fight. Number one, I get this thing called a paddle. Now, for those who are listening or for the recording, this is a joke. I don't actually. Ha, 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 ha. Way number one is this thing called a paddle. It's old school. It's something that my, did, my dad did to us. I don't really uh, suggest that to any parents here. But there's this thing called a paddle. And, and sometimes that's a physical way. We're just talking in generalities here. It's a physical way. To cause peace. Physical way to cause peace. The second way to cause peace is hopefully to speak to the hearts of those that are involved. And hopefully you can discourage them to negotiate. To talk to them and, and hopefully speak to them so, so they can stop. So the fighting will cease. In this passage, in Psalm 46... Actually, God is talking about the first one. His physical ability to cause challenge, to cause war, to destroy the destroyers. 
You guys got quiet there. I get it. I know this is tough. This is high cotton. This is tough. Ooh, Jesus, help us. I'll read it. Verse 8, come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. Desolations. What does that word mean? It means destruction. It means ruin. It means violence in many cases. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. There's an invitation right out of the gate that tells us to come. Have you ever sent out an invite, Eventbrite, an invite, come to the party, come hang out, come find out what's going on? Have you ever done marketing, Facebook ads? All of these things are invitations, hopefully, by, and by a marketer, they're invitations by someone who's marketing or pushing content telling someone that this is worth being a part of. In this text, there's an invitation by the writer unto God, basically saying to you and to me and those who are singing this in ancient times to come to something that is worth coming to. Well, 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 why should we come? Come and behold what God has done. Come and see what God has done. Sounds exciting. Sounds fun. Sounds like a party. Come and see the works of the Lord. Oh man, it gets intense. How he has brought destruction. Dang it, I thought it was going to be a party. But it is. It is. It is. This is exciting. This is encouraging. Why is this exciting? Why is this, why is this encouraging? Because if you've ever been in a chaotic situation, if stuff has ever hit the fan, if you've ever seen somebody be bullied, if you've ever seen helpless people be pushed around and abused, if you yourself have ever been in a situation that was so extremely uncomfortable and discouraging and overbearing that you felt like there was no help, this is hallelujah good news. This is good news because this isn't feel better, little Johnny. Feel better, little Sally. It's going to be okay, Matthew. Things will eventually get better. No, no, no. This is a God of wrath. This is a God that says, I am not only capable of being there for you in word, but I'm capable of being there for you in deed. I will not only show up, but I will also physically transform the situation that you are in. I'll bring it a little closer to you. I remember back in the day, Brookfield Elementary in Oakland, California. Right behind my house lied my elementary school. Yellow and green, the whole building. 
yellow, and green. Maybe they were trying to look like the Oakland A's. I don't know. But my school wasn't in the best environment, and, and there were many fights, many, many fights. People fought all day, every day. And one fight, I remember like it was yesterday. There was this kid who constantly got picked on. There was this kid who constantly got picked on. He was smaller. He was humble. He didn't like trouble. He used to hide in fear. Anytime the big bully would come around, he used to cower and, and hide and, and, and get behind people so, so the bully would not see him because he knew that if the bully saw him, something would trigger in the bully's mind and cause him to go over and just hit the kid. Well, what the bully did not know is that this kid was being so patient with him because the little kid had an older brother. One day, the little kid got so fed up, so frustrated with the bully picking on him that he told, oh God, his older brother. And the next day, somebody say the next day. The next day, the older brother shows up right after school. You know what happens after school. Older brother shows up standing next to the little brother, and the bully comes out. It's like everybody knows what's about to go down. And when the bully sees the younger brother, and he sees the younger brother standing next to the older brother. Immediately, the bully runs. Because he knows that he's been causing physical harm upon this innocent kid. And now, it's time to pay. Time to be held accountable for all the beating and the bullying you've been doing. Older brother chases the bully and in perfect fashion takes his, his, his front foot and trips the back foot of the running bully. His, his leg catches the back of his other leg and he falls face down. Of course, we're all there. How do I know this? I was there. We're all there like, oh, that's crazy. You just fell. He's about to beat you up. Eventually, campus comes, campus supervisor, you know, campus police. They come, break everything up. But as the older brother's being pulled away, he says, remember, 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 that's my little brother. Remember, remember. Remember, that's my little brother. Scripture says it better. Psalm 46, verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease. The oldest brother says to the bully that this will stop. You will no longer pick on my little brother, because he belongs to me. Let me encourage you. Let me bring this to your front table. Let me bring it to your Monday and your Tuesday. No matter what you're going through, 
We serve a God who protects us in such a way that he makes the enemy tremble. He makes the devil himself become afraid because even the enemy knows that at some point this will cease. Now, in this context, they're talking about the Assyrians. They're, they're talking about how God, the God of Israel, destroyed enemy armies. How we saw God destroy the Philistines through David. How we, how we saw God destroy entire armies, 185,000 by God's holy, righteous angels. He, he, he's talking, the sons of Korah, they're talking, they're singing about how God in times past has been the elder brother, making bullying and wars cease. But not only are they talking about in times past, but they're talking about how my grandma used to say, one of these old days, it won't be very long. You'll look for me and I'll be gone. Talking about not just the here and now, but also referring to the here after. In Matthew, I'll show it to you in scripture. If you think I'm making it up, Matthew chapter 24 says it like this, after the disciples are asking Jesus, what the heck are you talking about? You're foretelling about the destruction of a temple. I'm not getting it, Jesus. Break it down. Jesus responds to these followers, these Jesus followers. Jesus responds to the disciples, and he tells them this. Jesus answered them, verse 4 of Matthew 24. See that no one leads you astray, for many will come. He's referring to the last days that have not come yet. He's saying, many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death. Many of them thought that this was what Paul experienced, what the first church experienced in the book of Acts. If you talk to some of the older saints, they would say as they gotten closer to their golden years, especially my great-grandmama, she would say, baby, these are the last days. There's wars and rumors of wars and trouble all over the land. And some, even very smart theologians would agree with my brilliant theologian grandmama, and they would say that we technically are in the last days. I don't know where you fall on that side of the argument, but the truth of the matter is it's going to get worse. It's going to get bad. But our hope is not in the things around us. Our hope is not in the tweets 
or the trending topics. Our hope is in the God that manifests himself throughout and on top of all that has happened and all that will happen. If I can push it, let me push it. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. That says something else to us. Says to me, and it says to you, that revenge is God's, not yours. Dang it, Jesus. Some of you guys get that face. Dang it. No fear. <laughs> revenge belongs to the Lord. Now, before we give revenge to the Lord, we must understand why he can be trusted. We know that he is the complete opposite of us in so many ways. Number one, omnipotent. He has all power. He is capable of being protector. He is capable of being the warrior of warriors. He is capable because he has all power. Sometimes I have power, but then I get tired. And I tell my kids, daddy needs to go night night. Or I say it like this, ain't nobody got time for all this. Close your mouth, go to bed. We're going to have to bring some physical peace up in here. <laughs> we ain't talking to the hearts no more. <laughs> we go, <laughs> go talk to the behind. No, just, y'all need to edit that out. Edit, edit that out. Just joking. We don't do that in our house for all the mandated reporters in here. There's an invitation to come. There's an invitation to allow God to be our warrior because he has all power. When I don't feel like it, when I don't have time, when I'm not at myself, I just need to shut it down. When I am weak, scripture says, he is Strong. He doesn't have temporary, sometimey, cotton candy-like power. He's got power forever. So much power that we have seen in history that he is able to destroy kingdoms. He is able to be the king of kings and the lord of Lord, so much power. If I can get to the best explanation of God-like power, he has so much power that he is able to leave heaven, come in the form of a little tiny fetus in the belly of a virgin called Mary. He is able to come out of Mary as a little innocent baby in a very low economic status. And he is able to grow up in a very humble, very lowly 
can anything good come out of Nazareth type way and change the world forever? That over 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this God wrapped himself in human flesh, gets on the cross to humble himself before man, dies, and then resurrects again kind of power. Whew, that's power. Have you ever seen anything more powerful than that? I know you get in the weight room, but you can't lift that kind of weight. We're talking about the weight of sin on his shoulders. And scripture says he took it. Took it. Not only the weight of sin, but the weight of death. And when he resurrects from the grave, he not only conquers sin, but he conquers the payment or the result of sin, and that is death. That's power. This same power is what makes him credible and capable. Ooh. Credible and capable to be our superhero, to be our warrior, to properly and adequately get revenge. God says, revenge is mine. I will repay. Dang it, Jesus. But you don't know what she said to me, Lord. You don't know. You don't know how he treated me. You don't know what they said to me on social media. You don't know how annoying my co-worker is, Jesus. You don't know how my employees won't comply. You don't know how they tried to sue me. You don't, you don't know how they tried to steal from me. You, you have no idea how they embarrassed not only my name, but my family's name. You don't know what she said to me, Jesus. I got to get revenge. God says to me, and he says to you, no, no, no. Hold on. Revenge is mine. Why? Why do you want revenge, God? Why do you want to be the manager or the steward of revenge? Why does that belong to you? <laughs> says in God's word in the Bible, I'll read the passage that you just heard. Because he is able, he makes wars to cease. Whatever I do, it'll be temporary. It's not going to be sustainable. It's going to cause more harm, more tragedy, and it will not have eternal implications. Not only that, but if I can push it a little further, he is good. I'm not. <laughs> he is eternally perfect. Outside of him, I'm not. So he knows the perfect process that needs to take place in order for her or for him to get payback. And if you read all throughout the Psalms, he's good at it. He, he, he is good at getting revenge. 
1 Thessalonians 5.15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other. 1 Peter 3.9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Deuteronomy 32 says, it's mine to avenge. I will repay in due time. You ain't going fast enough, Jesus. In due time, their foot will slip. This is what God said. I didn't write it. Their day of disaster is near. And their doom rushes upon them. Have you ever wanted to get somebody back? Has somebody ever got on your last nerve? Have they ever caused harm to come upon you? And you wanted to make them feel what you felt. Or you want them to feel how you feel. Rest. And take consolation. In this, do not take revenge, Romans 12, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. This this punched me in the face, and so I'm going to give it to you. A small view of God always gives you a big view of you. Tiny view of God gives you a big view of all your stress and your depression. Tiny view of God gives you a big view of the problem. Now, you know the opposite of that. A big view of God. Watch this. An accurate view of God gives you an accurate view of the chaos and the drama around you. Rejecting the temporary pleasures of humanly manufactured revenge requires a serious trust and dependence on God. It is hard to leave it in his hands when you don't believe that he has the power to perform it. If you don't believe that he is all-knowing and all-powerful, if you don't believe that he is capable, then he won't feel like a refuge. If you don't feel like he's, if you don't believe that he's God and that the earth belongs to him, If you don't believe scripture when it says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, that this whole deal belongs to him. If that's not true in your heart, then yes, I get it. It should be too overwhelming for you to move forward. It should look impossible. But when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done, is doing, and has promised me that he will do when I rest in the fact that he intrinsically is good. I can't help but let it go. 
and give it to him. Now, that sounds good. That preacher's good. Hallelujah. That preacher's good. But, man, you know, chariots and bows and he's breaking them and all that. Like, how do you actually, what does that actually mean? How do do I actually do that? Like, how do I connect that? I, I get it, man. Cool sermon. Go, Jesus. Woo! But how do I connect that passage to my next day or my next hour or this situation that I have to go back into? Well, it's not up to me. It's the next person that's going to preach. <laughs> so come back next week. Come back next week. There's no big secret, bro. It's in verse 11, verse 10. It's right there. Be still. Know that I am God. My mama said it to me like, calm your little self down. Is what she used to say. She still says that. Still says that. Calm down, bro. Easy, bro. Calm down. <laughs> calm down. I don't know how to calm down. I don't know how to. I'll give you two and then I'll close. I'm, I'm landing the plane. Hallelujah. Landing the plane. How will he keep me in perfect peace in the midst of chaos? Scripture says, I didn't make this up. He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. I know that ain't, I know that ain't, you know, one of those like, woohoo, yeah, that was good. I like that. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm sorry. I got to tell you what the word says. Romans 12. <laughs> Gives you another piece of this and gives you some big commentary. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I promise you, everything that goes down has to start in the war up here. You want to know how to get to the root is right here. For those that are listening on this recording, I'm pointing to my bald head. Everything that I've ever done, good or bad, this isn't behavior modification. No, we're talking about the soul. We're talking about supernatural change from the inside out. God has to transform my mind. And the only way that God transforms my mind, just practically speaking, I need to keep a regular, regular rhythm of showing up the side of my bed, turning on some loud Jesus music, and confessing all of my sins, all of my drama, and begging God to show up in my situation. There's some fussing, maybe some cussing involved. I'm speaking in generalities. But realistically speaking, I have to be at his feet. I have to develop a, a distinct 
routine rhythm at his feet. For me, that's the side of the bed, crying out to him, loud music, confession, asking God to reorient, realign my heart with him. Because I got a big view of my drama, and I got a big view of myself, and I got a tiny view of you. And every time he shows up. And no longer am I seeing how big I am and how big my, prom, my problem is. I'm, I'm now seeing how big he is and how tiny what I'm going through really is. That's all the time we have. Let me pray. God, we give you praise that you make wars cease. That we can have confidence in the middle of a chaotic situation Because you are an ever-present help. Next week, we're going to hear practically what it means to be still and to know that you are God. I pray, God, that as we conclude this portion of our day, that you'll just create in us a clean heart. You'll renew in us a right spirit. You will help us to remember that you are good, that you have all power, and that standing next to you, we're good, that your victory is our victory. We share in that same victory. We give you praise in Jesus' name. If you can hear me, say amen.